Uh, hello, church. My name is Veronica, and we will now be reading today's passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 13. Uh, please follow along in your own Bible or on the screen. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given um, through the spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another faith by the same spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another the working of miracles to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. This is the reading of God's word. All right. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to True North Church. My name is Jay. For those that are new or visiting for the first time, I'm the lead pastor here, and I would like to welcome you, and I hope that today would be an opportunity for you to get to know us a little bit more, and especially to talk about some of the core values of our church. Now, um, I would like to take just this opportunity to be a little bit more vulnerable than, than usual. Uh, I, mean, I guess I'm usually vulnerable, but this is a little bit more, more so. But, uh, and again, this is not uh, me you know, sharing to like, call anyone out or anything like that, but just me to share a little bit about my journey the last several months uh, as, as a pastor and just for me personally, thinking about um, just maybe the frustrations and the difficulties of ministry that I, I was going through. Uh, now, this clarity uh, did not come to me on my own, but it was really through conversations that I had with our staff, our leadership board, uh, other members of the church, and even people outside of the church uh, who are trusted and, and you know, people that I, I really um, have a lot of respect for. Um, but I, I think the last three, four months, it, it was really came to my realization that um, I, I've been really experiencing burnout. Uh, for me personally in ministry, in, in, my, in, my, in my work, and uh, just the anxiety of ministry, the burden and weight of responsibility, and, uh, and whether it was actually a true or real feel, uh, reality, but like the feeling that, um, you know, the, the, the feeling of criticism that I was enduring caused me to really contemplate, like, well, what does is, what is the future hold for me? You know, so at, at like, like the deepest, and again, this is not to scare anybody off or anything like that, but... It's good that I'm sharing this, but, you know, at, at the deepest, darkest point of, like, of, of, of that burnout, I was like, man, I was hanging out at Costco, because that's what I do for fun. Um, like, who, I, who doesn't like hanging out at Costco? And I was like, man, like, do Costco employees actually work, you know? Because whenever I'm at Costco and I need help finding something, I can't find anybody, right? But when I'm done shopping, I go to the, like, checkout, and they're all standing there, and they're just talking. And I was like, what an amazing job. Right, like, and I'm like, maybe I can become, you know, someone that works at Costco. And uh, I, I, you know, I was contemplating that, and I, and there's obviously several factors that contributed uh, to to the feeling of burnout. 
and, and I, you know, I, I don't think that we have time to cover it all, but, uh, I, and I don't want to kind of make light of the situation at all, but I realized uh, that this feeling was something that God had purposely placed in my life uh, because there's a moment where I realized that this Bible passage that came to mind, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 through 10, it says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And I, and I realized that this is a Bible passage that was very familiar to me and yet um, wasn't really real, right? It's something that if you especially grew up in the church, I'm sure you've heard this passage before and, and this is something that might have resonated with you. But uh, at that moment, realizing um, that there's really a lack of ability and even lack of skill or even just lack of strength within me uh, and, and that the only way that I can get through this is by completely leaning and trusting upon God and his word. And, and that through that, uh, you know, confession of weakness that, that his power would be made real in me, right? That, that it would be him working through me. And I realized, number one, just through this entire process, that one of the main reasons uh, for my burnout was my inability and my unwillingness to step into my calling that's been given to me as the lead pastor of this church. Which is funny because I, you know, I started the church. So wouldn't that be, you know, wouldn't it be obvious that I'm the lead pastor of the church? But, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where as a human being, when we are unwilling to live according to the purpose that God has for us, uh, when we are able to uh, live kind of ignoring that calling and just trying to live a life of comfort or maybe even in, in, in subtle opposition to what God has called us to, it's, it's very easy to become frustrated, to be aimless, and, and to get frustrated at the, re, you know, the fact that you are kind of running away from what God has given to you. So instead of, re, and, and one of the things I realized was instead of really actively leading and, and taking the steps to be what God has called me in this position, uh, that my main thing was I was just trying to maintain, right? Just maintain everything. Please the stakeholders. And that's a, that's a funny term to uh, talk about in church because we, there's no stakeholders here, right? God is the only stakeholder of the, of the church that we are trying to please. And yet in my mentality, it's just like, hey, just keep the people that I need to keep happy and content and let's just kind of coast. And, and so the more I realized this and, and the more I was processing this, I thought about, well, what is it about, um, you know, our church, our vision, our values that is really important for us. And one of the ones that we want to share today is this idea of empowering all to serve. That when we are a people in a community, especially if you are a Christian, if you are not empowered to serve and to utilize your gifts for the purpose of glorifying God, that ultimately you'll live, you'll feel a life of frustration that you, you'll feel uh, burdened and you'll feel as if you are living in opposition to what God has actually called us to. And this is why um, our vision and value series has been so important to me because it's really helping me realign and understand like, well, what is the calling that we have for me personally? What is the calling that we have for our church? What is the calling that each and every single one of us here individually that God has purposed us for? And so myself, along with our staff and our leadership board, we've really been able to create a roadmap of what we are trying to accomplish. What is, it, what is the mission here at True North, and how are we going to set about achieving that mission? And one of the, the wonderful things about our values is that, you know, it's, it's something that exists, right? Things that actually we, we've already been, already been doing, but now we just need to verbalize. So the empower, to empower all to serve, we encourage people to use their God-given gifts and creativity 
to further our vision and purpose. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what is the purpose of gifts that God gives us. Then we're going to look at some of the barriers that keep us from serving. And then lastly, we're going to look at some very practical applications on how we can apply that here at our church and in your lives. So first of all, the purpose of our gifts. Now, um, when I would read the book or the letter to the first Corinthians, um, it, it was, I was very judgmental of the people of Corinth. You know, like, you kind of, you kind of like look down on them because they were, they were a messy church, right? And they were completely divided. You know, so if you read the letter, you see that there is a great division within that church. Um, there are people who are saying, no, I follow Paul. There are groups of people saying, no, I follow Apollos. Others saying, I follow Cephas, who is Apostle Peter. Um, there is division based on sexual immorality. Uh, there is division because people within the church are suing one another. Uh, there is division about marriage, what is, you know, the correct idea of marriage. And then there is division about what is acceptable and not acceptable to eat or Christian ethics, right? And it's so easy for us to kind of look at them and be like, man, you guys are so messed up. Like, you guys need to mature a little bit. Uh, but when we look at our church, not just our church specifically, but our church at large, we realize we're not much different from the Corinthians. Uh, if we switch places, um, like if we switch places in time, the Corinthians would be reading the first letter to the Californians, right? And it would just be like, hey, I follow Baptists, I follow Presbyterians, or I follow the Reformed, I follow the Charismatics. There would be very clear division on sexuality and sex within the church. There would be lawsuits. Um, there would be division about what is and what isn't ethical within the Christian life, right? And here's the thing, like this church was started by Apostle Paul. And you would think that Apostle Paul, uh, one of the, you know, the greatest missionaries ever and, and someone who has wrote the majority of the New Testament, you think if, if, if someone like that started our church, like we, would, we should have no problems, right? But yet here we see the Corinthians and they're struggling with the deep issue of sin of division. And, and the reality is, is that there's no such thing as a perfect church, there's no such thing as, as an, a church, as an organization that is constantly moving forward and running smoothly because it's made up of broken, sinful people. And so Apostle Paul, as he's writing this letter and as he's kind of highlighting all the things that the Corinthians need to focus on, mainly that they were divided, <clears throat> we see in verse, uh, chapter 12 the solution to this division. Or one of the ways that they can kind of work their way around it or out of it. And in starting in verse 12, we talk about this idea of spiritual gifts. So now, Apostle Paul, he, he kind of lists out very general ideas of these gifts. Like the, but in verse 4, he says, there's the same spirit, the same Lord, same God who empowers. Because he understands that a, a, a church that is divided, a, a body that is fractured, that they need to be united again based on God's unity. The fact that God, who is, uh, you know, three in one, he, he wants us to be united for the purpose of sharing his message to the people around the world. And then verse 12 of chapter 12, it says, just as we, you know, one body has many members, the church is one body. And just as God has united the church uh, to be different parts and to utilize their gifts, uh, he calls us to do the same. The purpose of gifts is not just so that we can feel better about ourselves. The purpose of gifts is not just so that we can think about like, oh man, I'm pretty awesome. You know, like, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. You know, it's not just to show off. The purpose of, of the fact that we have gifts 
that God gives us gifts is so that we can be united together for the same cause and purpose in which he has called us to. And for us, the vision is very clear. We, we exist here in the Bay Area because we want to point people to the true north in the, of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we are not focused on that vision, if we, are not fo- if we do not exist, if we merely exist just so we can gather and make friends, then what's the point? What's the point? God has gifted every single one of us here. If you're a Christian, the Spirit has manifested himself in you by providing you with at least one gift. That, that's, that's something promised in Scripture. You might not think very highly of yourself, but you got at least one. One gift to be utilized for that vision and purpose to make disciples of all nations. And when we are united in that front, we'll be united in spirit. The other purpose that God has given for us for our gifts is so that we can utilize it for the common good. The purpose of our gifts is to, to encourage and benefit the people around us. Right? In chapter 12, verse 7, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Now, the purpose of talents and gifts are that it is given to us through the Spirit so that the people around us can benefit and not just for our own own glory and for our own sake. Now, there's a sense of accomplishment and worth when you know that your contributions or your skills is positively affecting the people around you. I'm sure many of you guys have been in situations, whether in a group project, I mean, not me, group projects, I love doing nothing, right? I, I don't need to contribute in a group project at all. You know, if you need me to, like, be the face and, like, talk, I'll do that. But don't make me do any work, right? But it, I'm sure in, in, in your work or maybe even in your home, there's an idea, like, you want to contribute. Like, if you got hired on to do something or if you are part of a, of a group, uh, you know, like, yeah, let me utilize my gifts so that I can contribute. Right? We, we want to contribute because there's, there's a worthiness to it. And especially when we're contributing and it's affecting the people around us in a positive way, that is even better. There's nothing more fulfilling than that. I, I enjoy cooking, uh, and, and I enjoy cooking, and then when people come and eat the food and they like it, it makes me feel good, right? Um, you know what's not as good when I cook and then, I don't know if you guys cook. Like, if you cook, like, you don't get, you don't get hungry anymore, and so, so your food doesn't taste good. When I cook for myself, I was like, eh, you know, it's like, whatever, it's, so now we, have, we can take pictures of it and then send it to my wife. At least someone else is then, you know, able to see it. Right? There, there's a, there's a, a feeling of accomplishment when we are able to use our gifts to, to positively affect the people around us. But unfortunately, I think we now live in a culture where we are so isolated. Right? Even, even the idea where, where we lack connections or even this idea where we feel a little bit guarded to the fact that we don't know how to use our gifts for the sake of, of, of the common good. Or, or, or we're waiting to be asked and we don't know how to make that first step. Or, or we are so uh, just thinking about our own lives and our own, own time and our own families that we don't really know how to develop the muscles to be able to use these gifts to, to, to really encourage the people around us. And I believe the church, we exist here to be able to help develop those things. Because let me be honest with you guys, okay? Serving in, in ministries in a church level, it, it's not like the greatest cause in the world, all right, in, in some senses, okay? It's not like, like the, your main purpose in life 
is to set up chairs on Sundays. But the purpose of, of these different ministries and serving and doing all these things is to help grow your muscles so that in your daily lives that you are able to understand what it means to be able to use your gifts for the benefit of those around you. If we can't develop that together here, then it's very difficult to actually practice that in your real life. If you're unable to love and serve the people here, then how much more difficult is it going to be to help to love and serve the people in your workplace or in your schools or in your neighborhood? This is where we come together to develop those muscles. But ultimately, there are obviously barriers uh, to us utilizing our gifts to feel empowered, right? Uh, number one is that we doubt our giftedness and our abilities. Um, it, it's, a, it's a weird, strange paradox here in the Bay Area because if you've come to the Bay Area or even if you are managing to live in the Bay Area, um, you know that you're kind of good at whatever it is you do, all right? Especially in tech, um, you, you know you're here because hey, I'm pretty good at what I do, right? Uh, there, I mean, I'm, obviously, there are feelings of imposter syndrome that we all struggle with, but we've all, you know, this, this is kind of like the pinnacle for a lot of people in terms of career. We, we've, we've come here. We've, we've made it. But when it comes to church and for Christians, we always doubt or we always don't feel completely uh, equipped because we feel like, well, who am I, right? Who am I? And again, very normal feeling to have, but it's really doubting the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Because the Bible is very clear that every Christian is given at least one gift. I remember my, my seminary professor would always say, he's like, everyone's got at least one. You know, like no one can say they're not given. They got at least one. But it's also the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in you. It is the way in which the Spirit activates and, is, and utilizes you to, 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 to really encourage and benefit the people around you. And there are many types of gifts that, that the scripture uh, talks about, right? In, in uh, 2 Corinthians or Corinthians 12, it's, it's very broad. It says prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, you know, mercy. There's, there's uh, that, sorry, that's Romans 12. And here in Corinthians, we talks about the gifts of healing, interpretation. There's so many different things for us to be able to utilize. And for, for every single one of you here, you have a gift. You have a skill. You have a talent. And the question is, is how are you willing to use and utilize that? For the common good or for your own life? For the edification of those around you or do you keep it hidden? The next thing that I feel is a major barrier is the sense of entitlement. Sense of entitlement. Entitlement and empowerment are fundamentally opposed because entitlement fosters a mindset of expectation and dependency while empowerment encourages self-reliance and personal agency. Now, when we feel entitled, we believe that we, we deserve something special, right? We deserve special treatment or advantages without necessarily having earned it. Um, this can lead to a sense of complacency uh, and a lack of motivation to really work at serving others. Right? On the other hand, empowerment really encourages us to recognize our own potential and, and, and to take initiative to really serve those around us. It promotes a sense of responsibility, resilience, willingness to invest in others. In essence, 
Entitlement can hinder our personal growth and development, while empowerment really enables us to really reach the full potential that God has in our lives. Now, the, the greatest example of someone who is not entitled when they should have been is Apostle Paul. I'm going to read for us a passage in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 18. It says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known through the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Now, here's Apostle Paul later on in his ministry, and he is in prison. Now, if I'm Apostle Paul, and later on in life, I'm thrown in prison, I'd be like, dude, what the heck, God? Like, don't I deserve a break? Like, I've been stoned, I've been caned, I've been shipwrecked, people try to kill me, I had to escape a mob by being lowered down in a basket, and now you're, sending, you're telling me that I got to be in prison? Like, think about the, 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 the feeling of, of, of injustice you would feel if that was you. And yet, Apostle Paul, his, his response, it says that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He has taken responsibility, and he has taken the understanding that he has been called to be someone who preaches the gospel wherever he goes, and instead of feeling sorry for himself and entitled to certain things, he felt empowered to even continue on in this ministry while he's in prison. To the fact that the entire imperial guard, the Roman soldiers who are in charge of keeping him in prison, have now heard the gospel. And some have now even become Christians. And not only that, he rejoices at the fact that other Christians are now emboldened to share the gospel because of, what, because of his circumstance. That instead of being fearful that they might also be in prison, now they have also become bold to share the gospel. And this is the crazy part. There are other Christians, out of selfish ambition, are preaching the gospel out of contempt for Paul. Okay, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, no matter where you go, there's always going to be critics, right? And no matter, no matter how awesome a church is, there's always going to be some sort of, you know, back talk and, you know, like, you know, gossip and all that sort of stuff. And Apostle Paul is dealing with Christians who he may have even evangelized to, who are talking bad about him. Now, instead of going, who do you think you are? Like, I'm Apostle Paul. Did you have... Jesus come speak to you at the road to Damascus? I did. How dare you speak ill of me? Instead, his response is, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. There is absolutely no entitlement in Apostle Paul. Now, this was a very rebuking thought for me because I realized that in the very depth of, of the burnout that I was experiencing, it was really because I felt entitled. I felt entitled to comfort. I felt entitled to loyalty, right? And I'm just like, hey, like, I came here, 
to start a church, there was not that many people. Now we have a good, vibrant, healthy church. Like, what more do you want? Leave me alone, right? Like, let me chill a little bit, you know? I felt entitled to that, right? But instead of feeling entitled, what I should have felt was the sense of responsibility to know that in my calling, God has called me to lead this church so that we can live out the vision so that more and more people here in the Bay Area can understand and know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Instead, I felt entitled to coast. Now, I believe that many of us here, whether in your work or whether in church or even in your family, that we, we battle with the feeling of entitlement, that we struggle with this feeling. And just to put it in the church context, uh, if you've been here a while or, you know, if you feel like you've put in the effort or if you feel like you're a member of the church, you feel entitled to certain things, right? You, you, you feel entitled to, to having your opinions heard. You feel entitled to, you know, having things good for your children here. You feel entitled to having ministries that will make you feel good. You feel entitled to, to feeling like you belong. And, and no, not that those are bad, not saying that those things are bad at all. But the moment you start feeling more entitled than you should, or the moment you feel more entitled than you feel empowered, is the moment that God is, or that Satan is really trying to take a foothold into your heart to create division. Entitled people don't utilize their gifts. Entitled people don't serve others. Why? Because you feel entitled. You want to be served. Entitled people oftentimes give feedback, but don't help in the solution. Entitled people are critics without any action. And this is ultimately one of the most important barriers that we have to acknowledge and overcome. Another barrier for our sense of empowerment and serving others is a lack in our growth mindset. We all want things to remain the same, and we think that things should be done the way that we are used to, right? Uh, and here's the thing. When we think about uh, uh, things not changing, no one likes change, right? Absolutely no one likes change. But when you see the story of the gospel from the beginning of Genesis all the way to the end of Revelation, we see that God operates not in the same way but he, he adapts to the culture, he adapts to the time, and, and he also often does things very countercultural to what people expect. Right? Even from the Old Testament to the New Testament, what we see is a complete change between the sacrificial system of, of, of Judaism to one that is now you know, completely gone because of what Jesus has done in his ultimate sacrifice. And he, even in the New Testament, the very disciples and apostles who witnessed that change they try to revert back to Judaism, right? Just and, and to make a quick story, if you don't aren't familiar with this, uh, uh, with the New Testament, basically Apostle Peter, he's the leader of the New Testament church. He's a Jew. He grew up Jewish. He understood the sacrificial system, the ceremonial laws, and and and, and all the things that, as a good Jewish person, you had to keep in order to be in good standing within Judaism. He was given a dream by God, basically saying. Forget all that, you know, sacrificial system. You can eat whatever you want now. Don't worry about that. The gospel is now towards, for everybody. 
He was the one given that dream. He was the one that was given that edict to now go forth into the Gentiles and share with everybody. And he, later on, you know what happens? He goes back to the Judaizers. And he says, hey, yeah, we shouldn't be eating with Gentiles. And Apostle Paul calls him out. That's how, you know, like, you know, against change we are. We love reverting back to what we are most comfortable with. We love going back to the idea of what we imagine was the greatest time for, for our lives and, and whatnot, right? So whenever I think about what is the greatest era, I get 1980s, can't beat the 80s, cannot. I mean, the, the shows were awesome, the commercials were awesome, you know, like, I'm a big kid now, like, you know, like, you, there's, there's nothing you can say bad about the 80s. The music was great, right? But if you ask someone that's older, they'll say, no, the 70s were better. So ask someone older, no, the 60s were better. And you're like, what? Like, you know, Vietnam War was going on. You know, like, you can list all these bad things. And then for the younger, you're like, no, man, do you remember the 90s? You know, and it's like, why? Because you, you know, we as people, we love the era that made us feel the best, Right? In that same way, within a church context, the things that made you feel good about your church experience is what you long for. And you wish that things were just like that in your current context. So if you grew up in a church with a vibrant youth group, you're like, man, I wish we had a vibrant youth group and, we, and, and, and our, church, our church is doing something wrong because we don't have a vibrant youth group. Or if you grew up and you feel that uh, Bible studies was the most transformative time of your life, you go, what's wrong? We need more Bible studies. We, we think of all these things because we are in a fixed mindset and don't understand that things change over time. And to contextualize and to understand how we need to operate and move towards a greater vision and not always looking back. And again, looking back is great. We learn a lot from our past. But if we always revert back to the good old days, I wish things were like the good old days, then it stifles us. It hinders us from actually growing and maturing. And when we do that, we really hinder the next generation of, of people to be able to step up, to be able to lead, to be able to mature. You know, things that were unable to adapt to change, like Blockbuster videos. I would have never thought Blockbuster would go out of business. When Netflix first came out, I was like, why would I want DVDs mailed to my house? I don't want DVDs mailed to my house. I got a Blockbuster right, right across the street. I can actually look at it, you know? Like Toys R Us, I would have never thought Toys R Us would go out of business, but now Amazon sells. You know, what I mean? like Amazon's like it just sells textbooks. How how are they going to rule the world? But you know, Amazon sells everything now, right? Cable television. Those are all things that are unable to adapt because they're in a fixed mindset. And in order for us to really understand what it means to be empowered to serve others for the glory of God, is that we have to understand that there are a growth mindset that we can't always look to the th way that things used to be, but think how are the things supposed to be for us to be able to sh uh, accomplish our vision and mission. So lastly, in our application, we have to understand this. The church, we don't empower anybody. That is not biblical. God is the one who empowers. It was very clear from our passage. God is the one who empowers you with gifts. 
God is the one who empowers you with talents and skills. The church, we are here to assist you to be able to utilize the gifts and talents that God has empowered you with for the common good. What that means is that our job here is to give you a clear vision and mission of what we're trying to accomplish. Our vision here is, is to give you a clear understanding of how you can utilize your gifts in alignment with the vision and mission that we have as a church. I realized that one of the reasons why I, I was getting so frustrated and burnt out in ministry was this. Uh, when we were a smaller church and a smaller church plant, um, everyone understood the direction that we were headed. I've never been whitewater rafting, but I can imagine this to be true. If you go whitewater rafting and you're on the, on the raft rowing, no one needs to tell you which direction to row. Why? Because you can see it. You see the obstacles, you see where you're ultimately headed, and everyone's rowing in the same direction. Can you imagine if you're on a whitewater raft and everyone's rowing this way, and one dude's just like, I'm going to go this way. You know, like, it doesn't happen, right? But the moment the vessel gets a little bigger, and again, I've never been on the rowing team, but I know once the, you know, the rowing team, it gets a little bigger, there's more people on, there's one person dedicated, one person is dead weight. They don't even row. They just sit in the front, they go, Oh, oh, you know, like so that everyone is aligned, like everyone's on, on time. Because the bigger the vessel gets, now you need better alignment. Now, when you think about a cruise ship, now you have people who aren't even rowing. It, it is being led by the captain. You don't even know where you're headed. All you know is that you have a job to do. You might be the comedian on, you know, that has to entertain people, right? You might be part of the, the, the food staff. You might not even be able to see outside. You're just in the, deck, in the maintenance crew and fixing things. But you have to trust the organization to know that we're, we're headed from this port to that port, and we're going to get there, and everyone has their role. As we continue to grow and as we're at a certain size, um, we may not all know where we're headed. And because that was not made clear for some of us, there was frustration. So our goal here is not to just empower you and be like, hey, do whatever you want. No, we're saying, here's the vision and mission. This is where we're headed. We all have gifts. Now we want you to be able to utilize those gifts and talents to help us achieve that vision together as a church, to be united. So here are a couple things that we want to share in terms of very practical ways that you can utilize your giftedness. Uh, we have our education ministry. Our, I don't know. Is it, oh, yeah, there it is. No? Our education ministry, our Sunday experience, our local missions, our hospitality, and our worship production, uh, we have needs here. We have needs here. Uh, we have opportunity. Number one, our education, we have 26 teachers right now. Uh, we have about 80 students. Um, I, I think a good ratio is having three to one teacher-student ratio. Right? For our pre-K and kindergartens, there are 25 kids, and we're looking to add two more teachers. And here's the thing, guys. As I share this, we're not, we're not looking for volunteers. Uh, we got to get out of that mindset of seeking volunteers. We're not volunteering for anything. We are living out our purpose to utilize our gifts to serve others. If, if you don't see the benefit of that, then perhaps you're not ready to serve, and that's okay. We are not looking for people who are just giving up their time. No, we want people who are living in the very identity in which God has called them to serve the people around them for the common good. 
and there's a whole other generation of, of students that we have who are looking for older but younger, okay? Older but younger people to look up to, okay? People who are older than them, younger than me, okay? <laughs> people who can show them what it means to grow up in faith. People who can show them the ropes to say like, hey, yeah, there's a lot of questions that you might have. There's a lot of difficulties that you might be going through. I, I've been there, I've felt it, and, and here is how the gospel can really impact your life. To be able to even just invest in, in, in people who are younger than you, to invest in their lives, to show them the ropes, there's, there's no greater calling than that. And also, it helps that our kids are very, very cute. Okay. Middle school and up, not, not so much, but you know, like younger ones. Kindergarten, pre-K, kindergarten, we have 25 students, we need more, we need more teachers. Uh, because the ratio is, is, is difficult. Those, those kids are wild, right? <laughs> our, our Sunday experience, um, we have currently night, and, and here's the thing, like our Sunday ops, whenever you go to a church and you, you meet the setup people, they're, they're the best. They don't complain, right? They're always on time. They should, like, how do you think everything gets set up? People who are, you know what I mean? Like, and you don't even know who they are. They're like invisible, you know? <laughs> Um, but here's the thing, like, we understand that what we're creating here is an environment for worship, an environment where people outside this community can say, oh, we know that there's a church that exists there. We have basketball camps and soccer, and, you know, soccer tournaments that happen. Uh, I see the parents coming in with their, with their kids, and then they go, and then they think that they have to sign in because they have no idea that this is a church here. You know what I mean? I'm like, yes, I did. You know, but we need people who, okay, and then again, Sunday I was awesome people. Um, they're not aesthetic people. You know, they're not thinking about like, oh, how can we beautify this place? There's like, we're going to grunt, move stuff, you know, like, you know, like, they're not thinking like, you know what I mean? The moment people are driving down the street that I can't pronounce, you know, a Rosadero, right? Are they seeing a church or are they seeing Ellen Fletcher Middle School? From that very moment that they're entering into the middle school to the very moment they exit the parking lot, the moment they walk down you know, the, the hallway, they should be able to visually understand and, and realize, oh, we're stepping into the house of God. People who, are th who think that way, this is a great opportunity for you to utilize your gifts. Me, I don't think that way at all. Like, I, I don't even need this carpet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, the light, I, I, but, people, but that matters, right? I, and I know that matters. Think about how you can utilize your gift in that way. Um, looking for four to six members for that team. Our, our local missions, we currently need, in the announcements, we need people for our city team volunteering on October 7th, our hospitality ministry. And again, we want to make sure, there's no welcoming team at our church. Why? Because if you are a member, if you're a Christian, you should all, we should all be welcoming one another. We have a hospitality team that helps help people feel welcomed, that help people feel that they're at home and that they're comfortable. Uh, if, if you love people and you love saying hi and you love food and, and setting up snacks, think about joining our hospitality team. Uh, worship production, we need a bassist, uh, one, one bassist or more, right? We need a male and female vocalist. We need someone who can play the electric guitar. And um, 
This one's tough because you actually have to be good. Okay, that's, that's the only, <laughs> I mean, that's the only, only thing. It's like, like the only ministry where you're like, well, but you kind of have to be good, right? Like, so if you're good, let us know, <laughs> right? Try, try out. Because we, we want this church to be a training ground for you to be able to serve the people in your life for the glory of God. Okay? Again, like I mentioned, this is not the end all. Serving at church is not the end all for us. It's a place that can help us to develop those muscles so that we can encourage and edify the people around us. Let's pray.